0: We're in part two of our series on building better relationships. And we know that this is a great series for marriages, for friendship building, just for life. Because everything about life is about relationships with people. And I can mention one word and it would transform any relationship you're in. That's the word appreciation. Appreciation. We all know what that means. If you, at least if you bought a house you've learned what the word appreciation means because probably your house appreciates. Uh, if you bought a brand new car, you know what depreciation means because once you drove it off the lot, it went down to value. So we know what this means. Appreciation means to raise the value. So in your notes, why express appreciation? Because it raises their value. It raises the value of the people. So when you show appreciation for your husband or wife, you're raising their value. You're saying you're important to me and they feel it. When you show appreciation to your children or family, you're raising their value. Uh, For your church, uh, for your friends, for the people that you work with, it's raising their value. They can tell, I'm valuable to this person. Why? Because they appreciate me. And you feel it. And they feel it. In a marriage, if I feel appreciated, I feel valued. If I don't feel like my husband or, or wife appreciates me, I don't feel valued. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, encourage one another and build each other up. Paul says this. It's part of the Christian life. We encourage one another. That's what we do. We build each other up. Ephesians 4.29, speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's what we're called to do. We don't speak things that are hurtful. You speak things that are helpful, that build each other up. What? According to their needs. According to William James... The deepest need that we have is appreciation. Now, I'm not so sure that I believe that that's the deepest need. But let me tell you what, it's one of the deepest needs. We need to feel appreciated. If you don't feel appreciated in your relationships, it's going to affect your life in a negative way. A few years back, I was visiting England. And they have this thing, like if you feel depressed, you dial this number... And the person on the other line is just to call, you call them, and they're there to build you up. It's not like a suicide hotline. It's just like, I'm feeling down in the dumps, and you call them, and they build you up. They encourage you, it, almost like counseling on the phone. It was, a, it was dial a compliment. <laughs> I thought, like, people are starving to feel appreciated. So much so that they're willing to call a stranger on the phone just to hear encouraging words and help them to make it through that day. Paul was a pro at showing appreciation to people. He describes three things that we need to appreciate, and they're probably things that in a lot of relationships we don't think about. It doesn't come to our mind, so we just don't do it. But I think there are things that would make a major difference in our relationships. So what should I appreciate in your notes? Number one, appreciate people's loyalty those people who hang in there with you. They've stuck with you. They've been faithful through thick and thin. They could have left. They could have walked off, but they've stayed. That counts for something in a world where people don't stick around. Philippians 1, 3 through 5 and 7 says, I thank God for you every time I think of you because of the way in which you have helped me in the work of the gospel from the very first day until now. So he's saying, they stuck with me. He didn't say that about everybody because some people started off with him and didn't continue. But the Philippians stuck with him from the very first day until now when he's writing this. This is toward the end of his life. Both now that I'm in prison and also while I was free. Like when things were going great in my life, you were with me. When things got tough in my life, you didn't leave. You stuck with me. You never gave up on me. He's appreciating their loyalty. They were like Paul's booster club. In sports, in the high school, you have a booster club. And they're the parents that raise up money and they cheer you on and they, they make sure the program goes. And they're there to, you know, uh, give you a boost. Well, that's what these guys were doing for Paul, the Philippians. They were supporting him, they stood with him all the way to the end. The point is, people deserve to be appreciated just because they're loyal, not because they did anything spectac- spectacular. They might not have been the superstar. But they stuck with you. And you appreciate that. They stuck with you. They didn't give up. It might not have been anything out of the ordinary, but they're still there. They, they, they remained your friend when things were great, and they remained your friends when things weren't so great. That's something to appreciate. That's what a real friend is. Some of you, maybe in marriage, you've gone through bankruptcy. You've gone through midlife crises. You've gone through a health problem. You may have gone through an affair. Maybe you've been a jerk toward your partner and you think, they haven't left me. They're still here. They stuck with me. They deserve appreciation. Life is long. Marriage is a long time. The fact that people stick with you, it means a lot. I went to Yellowstone last summer with my uh, sons and I brought um, some of their cousins So we went to Yellowstone, and we saw Old Faithful. You know, the geyser going up. It's not the most beautiful geyser, by the way. It's not uh, the biggest geyser. It's kind of average. But what makes it so amazing is it's faithful. You know that it's going to happen. They say it's going to happen in about 20 minutes, so you get out there, and boom, it happens. So the very fact that it's faithful... Makes everybody like that one. Because they say, okay, this one over here, it's bigger. It's the biggest one in the park. When is it going to happen? We never know. Maybe in a year from now, maybe in the middle of the night, you don't know. You can't sit there and wait. So nobody likes that one. Because you don't know when it's going to happen. It's not faithful like the other one. But the other one, you can count on it. And there's something about something doesn't have to be the most beautiful. Something doesn't have to be the most Amazing. They're faithful If you can count on them They're your real friend They're the one that really matters They're the ones that We need to be showing appreciation to They deserve it I appreciate you all There's a faithfulness about going to church That means something to me I appreciate that It makes me feel like I didn't waste my time When I was putting the sermon together But I appreciate what you do And going to church Isn't a super spectacular thing But it means something It means something It's something to appreciate. So in your relationships, instead of waiting for something big to happen before you say, okay, now they deserve my appreciation. Don't do that. That's not even loving. appreciate them just the fact that they're there, that they're standing by you, that they're going through thick and thin with you. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It's that they're there. They haven't walked out. Number two, appreciate people's differences. See, usually we get irritated by their differences. We think, why can't they just be like me? And they're not going to be like you. If they were like you, you wouldn't be interested in them anyway. In Colossians 3, 13 and 15, it says this. Be patient and tolerant with one another, always ready to forgive if you have a difference with anyone. For you were called to live as one united body and always be thankful. So you're not insisting that everybody be like you. You don't need everybody to think like you and act like you and smell like you and walk like you and do like you. No. Differences are normal and natural, and it's fine. Maturity is not about me trying to conform, get my wife to conform to my image. Why can't she start seeing things my way? Why can't she, you know, clean the house the way I want her to do it? Why can't she, you know, whatever it is, it's not about conforming her to my image. It's about appreciating her differences. That's what love is. You appreciate the person's differences instead of being irritated by the differences. Because when people do things different, we think, well, you know, well, we've always done it this way. At my home, this is how we already did it. Who cares? Who cares? It's not, who cares? Let him be different. Let her be different. And appreciate the differences. You can learn from people's differences. Thank God we're not all alike. Thank God that this whole room isn't like me. Thank God this whole room isn't like you. Thank God that there's differences. You go into Baskin-Robbins, and it says, Baskin-Robbins, 31 flavors. You walk in there, and you say, oh, there's 31 flavors? Yes, there's 31 flavors, as long as you like vanilla. Vanilla. And you look and there's 31 baskets there of vanilla. Maybe you like vanilla. But I'm telling you, not everybody in this room wants vanilla. We like the fact that there's a choice there, that there's, they're different. We don't want them all to be the same. Well, why would somebody want to be like you? You know, we don't want everybody the same. There's only one me and that's enough. There's only one you and that's enough. And you be the best you can be. And everybody else appreciate you for being you. And you appreciate everybody else for being them. That's maturity. Maturity is learning to appreciate the differences instead of resisting and trying to conform them into your image. I think God has a sense of humor because he naturally designed us to be attracted to our opposites. Have you noticed that? Like so many times in marriage the early riser ends up married to the person that wakes up at the crack of noon. Or the person that talks a lot is with somebody that's a mute. Or the person that's daring and impulsive marries the person that's cautious and reserved and doesn't want to do any of that stuff. Or the person that loves to spin marries the tightwad. Or the person that's romantic marries the dud when it comes to romance. Or when it comes to sex One person will drop everything, the other one just drops dead. (laughs) We tend to marry our opposites. We really do. I don't know why that is, but I think it's part of God's sense of humor. But what I've learned over the years, because I do a lot of marriage counseling, if you want to grow as a person and better yourself, you don't better yourself by only being around people that do things your way. You don't expand your horizons by being with someone exactly like you. The way that you learn and develop is being with someone the opposite of you. It's part of God's plan to make you a better person. Now, I have a choice. I can resist it because I don't want to learn. I'm not teachable. You know, I'm uncomfortable outside of my, you know, I don't want to get outside of my comfort zone. Or I can relish it and learn and grow, and then your marriage becomes the most exciting thing. You might be someone like me, that when it comes to things like art appreciation, you just don't appreciate it. But then you're married to someone that loves art, and then to their eyes, you start learning. If, you're, if you have a teachable heart, you start hanging out with them, you start finding out, and then you learn to appreciate it. And your life, your horizons are much broader. You might be someone that's not comfortable in the outdoors, and then you marry you know, this outdoorsman, or woman, and you've gone camping for the very first time in your life, and your, your mind is opening up to a new world, something that you could have never seen yourself do. That doesn't happen if you're unteachable. If you're unteachable, you just stay in the box you're in, and God has given you an opportunity to take steps forward to, to go into a new and greater world, but you have that door shut because you don't want, you don't want change. You don't want differences. God purposely put you with your opposite to make you a better person. It's for your benefit if you use it. You don't have to. But if you use it, it's going to be for your benefit. Paul says, be patient, be tolerant of one another. Be thankful. So you're you're thankful for these differences. You know, these differences add balance for your kids. I don't think it's healthy for a kid to have Both parents too strict. That would be horrible. How about both parents too lenient? Notice how one parent tends to be more strict and the other one tends to be more lenient, but it creates a balance in their home. You want balance. Two people are the same. It's not going to work. Don't spend so much time worried about if you and your wife, you and your husband, do it the same way. Be more concerned about do my kids have balance in this home? Are they, is there balance here? Because that's for their health. That's what's really going to make a difference is if they're balanced. Marrying someone different than you, it creates balance because they, they, they don't do it that way. And praise God that they don't do it the way that you do it. There needs to be differences. The greater the difference really is the greater potential you have in that marriage. Most of us, our friends, our closest friends, we, we, we develop close friends with people that are the most like us. We marry people that are the most different than, than us. I would encourage you to purposely have friends that are a lot different than you. They're a lot different than you. You don't have to be married in order to have your life expand for the better. Number three, I appreciate people's efforts. In 1 Thessalonians it says... We always thank God for you, how you put your faith into practice, and how your love made you work so hard. So you can circle work so hard. What's he appreciating? He's appreciating their efforts, their efforts. Don't take people's efforts for granted, regardless of the results. I have a four-year-old and a baby that's a, month, a year and a half, four-year-old and a year and a half, and they'll see me doing something And they want to be my little helpers (laughs) with anything. They want to help. So the other day, we were cleaning up some stuff. And they want to help Dad because Daddy's doing it, so it must be fun. Do you think they did a good job? Absolutely not. Do you think, uh, what type of a job do you think the one-and-a-half-year-old did? (laughs) And even the four-year-old that, she was trying. They don't do a great job. She's four, he's one and a half I appreciate the effort I'm not expecting them to do it perfect I want to appreciate them Anyway, I want them to feel good And you know what? They probably think they did a really good job Because when they were doing it I was high-fiving them Good job, way to go I was appreciating the effort I wasn't relying I wasn't going to be a dad And say, okay, you're four years old But you need to learn how to do things perfect now I didn't want it I didn't want it to be that way. I wanted her to help me and feel like dad appreciated it and think she's great. To me that was more important. Now you might deal with it different when they're 12 or 14 and you add on more and more responsibility, but they no matter what age they are, if they don't go out of it feeling appreciated, I think I lost, not them. I lost my opportunity to do something positive in the life of that child. So appreciate them, not when it's perfect. If I wait till things are perfect, I'll never appreciate anybody. So I want to appreciate that effort. Now, if it's something that you have a four-year-old, and I ask her to do something that she needs to do, and she doesn't try, I'll discipline that. But if she gives it an effort, but it's just bad because she's four years old, I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to appreciate it because she's trying. That's all I'm asking is, is she trying? I could show them appreciation or I can nag them. What do you think is going to be a positive impact on their life? Pokes or strokes? If I wait till they have it down perfect, I'll never appreciate them. And th- that would be horrible for the relationship. I've really, uh, as the years have gone by and having kids, my appreciation for my parents has gone up so much. Because when you have kids, you realize, you know, when you have kids, you give up a lot. You give up a lot of vacation time to do things that they want to do, things that you've already done. Not things that you would say, oh, wouldn't it be great to go to Paris? Disneyland's okay, but I've been there so many times. But the kids pick Disneyland over Paris any day. And you do a lot of things that would be best for them because they're your kids. You sacrifice a lot. And I appreciate that the older I get, the more I see what it's like to be a, a parent. And I realize the hassles that my parents had to go through uh, with us sometimes, and uh, the heartache that my parents had to go uh, through with us, and the irritations my parents had to go through with us, and the frustrations my parents had to go through us. And it teaches me to appreciate... What my parents did for me. You know, the par- my parents weren't perfect. But neither am I. They don't have to be perfect. They put up with a lot. It's so important that it's in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. That's saying appreciate them. It doesn't mean that you appreciated everything they did. But they did something. If they fed you and gave you clothes, they did something. Appreciate something that they've done for you. Mark Twain said, I can go two weeks on a compliment. There's something about being appreciated that can help a person keep going. I feel that way. At the end of worship services, a lot of times people say, you know, really encouraging things. I appreciate that. That keeps me going. It's something that you can never hear too much of. So you want to appreciate their effort, you want to appreciate their loyalty. You want to appreciate people's differences. Now, in your notes, how should I show appreciation? I think there's a right way and a wrong way. Scripture gives us some some good hints on how to show appreciation. Number one, it needs to be real. You don't want to just be false and flattery. You You want, when you appreciate them, for it to be something real. In Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Circle pretend and really That's a choice you have. I can pretend and act like I'm appreciating something. Or I can really appreciate them by what? You can appreciate something about them that they really did. You want it to be sincere and heartfelt. You want it to be something that they know that you're not just buttering them up. You also don't show appreciation to get something from them. Like you have another motive in mind. It's real. And in every relationship, a teacher that you have at school or whoever, you can find ways to tell them that you appreciate them. If you think about it, they do this and that. It's a choice. If I wanted to, I'm sure with everybody I meet, I could find some reason to tell them why I don't appreciate them. You could. If you're with anybody long enough, you can find a reason not to appreciate them. If you're uh, with anybody for any sort of time, You can find a reason to appreciate them. So it's a choice. Do I choose to be this type of person? Or do I choose to be this type of person? Do I choose to recognize the good things that they're doing? Or do I choose to recognize the bad things? We have the ability to show appreciation and for it to be real. Number two, it needs to be recognizable. That means it needs to be clear and specific. I've heard people say, I don't tell my wife... I love her. She already knows. Well, she might already know, but I think she wants to hear it too. I don't show affection to my kids. I'm just not that type of person. But let me tell you what, whether you're that type of person or not, you better change. You better change. Because they need it. Your kids need to get that hug. Your kids need to get that kiss. Your kids need to get words of encouragement. They need that in their life. Don't just assume that they're automatically going to fill it. No, it's not automatic. Your spouse needs to hear it. There's something about saying it that means something. Some people feel like, well, if I said it all the time, then it would be meaningless. I disagree. Nobody gets tired of hearing compliments. I've never seen anybody get tired of hearing compliments. If somebody compliments you and you say, wow, and then somebody else compliments you, well, wow, people don't get tired of it. But people can get hurt if they feel like they don't really appreciate me. I do this, I do this, and nobody appreciates me. You say, of course we appreciate, appreciate you. Well, why doesn't anybody tell me? It's got to be seen. They have to recognize it. You might recognize it, but if they don't recognize it, I might recognize that I'm showing Tanya appreciation. If she doesn't recognize it, there's a problem. I need to do it differently. I need to do it in a way that she recognizes that I appreciate her. In Proverbs 15, what a joy it is to find just the right words for the right occasion. Have you ever done that? Sometimes I feel like it's God that just gives me the right words to say in a certain situation, and it just comes out just right. It says, what a joy. The joy is to the person speaking it. I've experienced that where you say just the right thing in the right way, And you see the difference it makes in that kid's life. And it makes you feel good. Like, wow. Because you like to see that it's positively impacting that kid or your spouse or whatever. And it brings you joy. And obviously it brings joy in the relationship. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, a word of encouragement does wonders. Just by encouraging somebody, you give them a boost. It pumps them up. Kids need this a lot, by the way. Kids need to hear words of encouragement. They don't need to be put down or discouraged. They need to be built up. Encouragement needs to be recognizable, clear, defined. Don't beat around the bush. Say it. Write it. You'll make it as clear as you can so they don't miss it. You want your kids to be built up every day. Every day you want to build them up. Number three, it needs to be regular 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, we ought to continually thank God for you. So this is something they want to do continually. You can circle that word continually. Galatians 6.10 says, whenever we can, we should always be kind to everyone. When? Whenever we can. That means every opportunity. And especially to our Christian brothers. So you can underline, whenever we can. In the King James Version, it says, as we have the opportunity. In other words, every opportunity you have, do it. If the opportunity is there, do it. Encourage friends. Oh, there's an opportunity. Encourage them. Your family, relatives, whoever. When you have the opportunity to encourage them, encourage them. It's something that you do all the time. It's a constant part of who you are in your spiritual walk. When you're someone that encourages other people, that means you're maturing in your walk. God wants you to lift people up. A pat on the back always gets more results than a kick in the pants. It always does. I see this all the time when I'm coaching. We were wrestling a team that should have beat us last year, but we barely beat them. But their coach is really negative and hard on the kids on their team. And their kids are down a lot. Like, oh, I did this wrong, I did you know, and they're all wrong, you know. And they, they were a better team than us, but we beat them. But we're always up. Like, I'm always encouraging the guys. I, I'll still tell, tell them what they're doing wrong, but I make sure I focus on what they did right and try to, you know, ex- build them up and make them feel encouraged. I want them to leave that loss a positive person. I don't want them to leave that loss a negative person. And I really think that that's why we beat them because the whole match that was intense when... When we win matches, we were celebrating. When we lost matches, we were encouraging that guy that lost. So the atmosphere in the whole side was still up. On their side, when they'd win matches, they were celebrating. When they would lose matches, the people felt so dejected because they had to hear what they did wrong, and it was a negative environment. And so their side was up and negative, up and negative, up and negative. And it makes a difference. It wears on the kids' minds. And that's why I would think we... We're not the best coached team, but we win. We win all the time. And it has a lot to do with when I say we're not the best coached team, meaning there's other teams that maybe their coach knows better technique. But having an atmosphere where the people are encouraged, we perform better. Because the atmosphere, the attitude in the room determines success way more a lot of times than the quality of athletes you have and the technique that the other team has. So if that happens in teams, it happens in the home. It happens in the home. Build a home that's encouraging them. I've seen things like the, a woman's a secretary at her job, and her boss says, hey, would you mind making some coffee? And she says, sure, and she's happy to do it. And she runs over there and makes coffee and everything like that, and comes and she's happy to, to serve the boss and go around serving other people. And everybody say, hey, thanks, thanks. And people show her appreciation. I've seen people like this at work. And they'll go home and her husband would say something like, hey, can you make me some coffee? And she says, what's wrong with you? Your leg broken? You get it yourself. And you think, well, what's the difference? Appreciation. Appreciation. When she does it at work, people treat her great, like they're grateful. They're so nice to her. They're so thankful. It's the attitude's different. But... Sometimes at home, they treat it like, well, it's your job. You should do it. You don't need to be appreciated. I take the garbage out and you don't say thank you. See what I'm saying? And we don't realize they should say thank you when he takes the garbage out too. But my point being is, it's that attitude. I want to make sure that wherever my wife works, that she feels more appreciated in my home than at work. I want to do everything to make sure that that happens. It just makes more sense. I want her to be more excited being at our house and at work. He says, when we can, we should always be kind to everyone. It makes me think a single rose given to somebody while they're alive has got to be more valuable than the most expensive wreath at a funeral. Because they got a chance to experience it. Alex Haley, the guy that wrote Roots, he was in the Navy, and he was one of the cooks there, and he was making a Thanksgiving meal. And he said it was a really busy day, and, but it, cooking, cooking, cooking like this made him think about Thanksgiving all day. So when he got in his bunk at night, he was relaxing, and he was thinking, Thanksgiving, giving thanks, what is it really all about? Who should I be thankful for? That I've never told them that I'm grateful for them. And he wrote down eight names of people that just really blessed his life. And he says, I need to let them know how thankful I am. And then he realized... Wait a minute, four of them have already dead. Four of them have already died. And he never had the chance to tell them how thankful he was. Now is the time. You don't wait. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if they have tomorrow. Don't get in a situation like him. By the way, he did write the other four, and the article went on to show how much it impacted their life to get a thank you note from him. you know, what, what happened and stuff. But the other side of the story is don't wait till half of them's dead to, to realize, wait, I should have told them thank. That person helped me so much. I never told them thankful. They're dead now. No, don't wait till they're dead. Do it now. Start thinking of those people right now that are important to you. I want you to ask yourself, do you nag or do you brag? Do you give strokes or pokes? Who do you need to be grateful for? Scientists have discovered the healthiest human emotion is gratitude. People who live with an attitude of gratitude are emotionally healthier than others. They live longer. They're physically healthier. God even considers ingratitude to be a sin. So who do you need to give thanks to? Think of the person that you need to write a letter to or call and talk to and just tell them, hey, I've never thanked you for standing with me through this or through that. Give a compliment to people. In your family, m- make it a habit that you're constantly giving out compliments. People blossom when they feel affirmed, but they wilt under criticism. Usually when s- someone says something wrong, they feel bad enough already. The last thing they need to hear is more. So you want to affirm them and build them up. If you want to have a powerful office, make sure that you create an atmosphere at work where people are affirmed, where they're built up. You know, people will love. To, they won't want to go home. They don't want to go home. They want to stay at work because they like it so much. You know, have that type of atmosphere where people don't want to switch and get, take another job. What do you need to appreciate from God? When's the last time that you just said, "You know, God, I appreciate you for this and this"? Just fifteen minutes talking to God, just thanking Him for all the things He's done. You know, think about it. Your sins are forgiven. You have a purpose for living. You have a home in heaven. He gives you power in your life. Because of him, you can let go of your resentment. You can let go of guilt. You can let go of your worries. You can have hope in a hopeless situation. You know, start thanking him for what he's done. He died on the cross so that we're forgiven. We can spend eternity with God. Are there people that have stuck with you through thick and thin? Like I said earlier, maybe they didn't do anything spectacular, but, but they're with you they're being faithful, they're, they're not giving up. How about the differences, especially when you think about marriage? Do you appreciate the differences, not just tolerate it, not just, okay, I'm going to put up with it. That's not appreciation. Do you appreciate, have you decided, I'm going to allow them to be different and appreciate the differences that they have? How about effort? Who's made an effort on your, for you Maybe someone that helped get you through college. Have you shown them how much you appreciate them? The person that cooks the meals every day. The person that keeps the car running. Just whatever it is. Do they know that you appreciate their their effort? Or have you never told them thank you for the things they do? When I think about God, how do I show appreciation to God? Well, how do you do that? There's only one way that you can show appreciation to God, really. You can say thank you. But the real way to show appreciation to God is, I appreciate that you gave your life to me. Now I'm going to give my life to you. That's how you show appreciation. I recognize you died on the cross to forgive me. You gave your life to me. I'm going to give my life to you. And you notice I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about Baptist, Buddhist, Mormon, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that relationship with God. You died for me. I give my life to you. That's how you show appreciation for what he's done. You offer him your life and nothing will be better in your life, in your life, than offering him your life. Because what does that mean in a practical way? Well, if I really am serious, then that means, okay, God, if I offer you my life and I'm yours, I belong to you, then I'm going to treat my wife the way you want me to. That changes everything in a marriage. Now I'm going to try to treat my wife as good as he would want me to. At least I'm going to have that effort What does it mean in a practical way? If I really give my life to God, then I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to treat my children the way that you want me to. I'm going to tell you, it's going to change your life for the better. You have a healthier marriage, healthier family, and even I'm going to treat my enemies the way that you want me to. I'm not going to be revengeful and hateful. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to just forgive it and just let it go. I'm not saying that you're going to trust them. You know, because... That could be a stupid thing to do, right? But you're not going to carry that bitterness. It's going to change the way that you treat your enemies. All it's going to do is turn your life around for the better when you think of it in a practical way. With that, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that we can give you our life. Lord, that you're willing to have your Holy Spirit come inside us and dwell in us and give us a new start. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us in our daily lives to make a difference. Help us to be grateful for the things you've done. Lord, you said in your word to do all things without murmuring and complaining, to be thankful that we may be blameless and shine out as stars in a dark night. Lord, I know if our lives would show gratitude, it would be a testimony of you in this world. Help us to appreciate others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.